Wow, if you're watching online, I think it went straight through the cameras, through the cords, over the internet. How many feel the joy of the Lord is our strength today? Hallelujah. God is good. Now, let me just say this before we sit down. Let me just say this. I was afraid for Freddie that he was going to fall off that stage. I just have to tell you, and thank God for health insurance. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Oh, hallelujah. We feel his presence here. Listen, before you sit down, take your elbows. Why don't you greet someone in the name of the Lord and just say, welcome. We welcome all those online, and then you may be seated. Thank God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, all over New York City and around the United States, people are dressing up as I speak right now in costumes and going trick-or-treating and getting ready for parties. Um, as I was walking the streets last night, you should have saw 8th Avenue. They're putting on costumes for Halloween. I've heard it said it's the second biggest decoration holo ho um, holiday in the United States. Takes its name from a term that Jesus used, a word that Jesus used on his most famous prayer called the Lord's Prayer when he said these words in Matthew chapter 6. Then he said, Our Father, which art in heaven, what's the next phrase? Hallowed be thy name. Hollow, holy, is from a word that Jesus used. That was a celebration. This day originally started as a celebration to honor the martyrs and the saints that went before the Christians that are living today. It was, an, it was a night that honored Christian history. A day that started to honor, that started as authentic, pure, and precious has deteriorated into a night of pretending, impersonating, and make-believe. Not only are children pretending, you actually have adults pretending to be things that they're not. From Cruella DeVille to Tony Starks to every Avenger superhero they're dressing up tonight. But the worst part of Halloween is when Halloween enters the church. When pretenders come in to the sanctuary. And this morning I want to talk to you about brass shields. I want to show you when Halloween came into the king's house in Jerusalem some thousands of years ago. Let's pray. Father, I just pray in these next few moments, let the Holy Spirit begin to speak to us. We need your presence. Thank you, God. We have felt your joy. As Pastor Patrick prayed, we have felt the Holy Spirit confirming to us today that you are loved, you are forgiven, you are changed today. We are believing it's going to be a place of deliverance today. This is going to be a place that bondages are going to be broken. This is going to be a time that, Lord, those that are watching online, those that are sitting here for this service, the next service, we're believing for the power of God to come to this place today. We believe this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen? Amen. amen. The more important a thing is, the more counterfeits there are. No one counterfeits. You don't see on a blanket on Broadway them putting up their paper clips and pencils. But one of the things is that you counterfeit that which is important. That's why there's plenty of counterfeit religions. You counterfeit the expensive, the valuable, 
the precious, not the ordinary and the average. There is a word in the Bible that Jesus uses that deals with counterfeit or pretenders, and it's the word hypocrite. The word hypocrite actually means an actor on a stage. That's what the word means. In fact, the word originated from the stage in that time of Jesus where an actor's costume was used for the changes of scenes. And Jesus transfers this word to the religious in the Gospels. What Jesus was saying was that Christians cannot have different costumes for different events and scenarios in their life. That is hypocrisy. See, listen now, Times Square Church. When you become a Christian, when you become born again, you, God empties your closet of all costumes and gives you one change of clothes. You get one pair of clothes. You don't, have a, you don't have work clothes and school clothes and football clothes and golfing clothes and commuting clothes and subway clothes. You get one set of clothing and it's called Jesus clothes. Which means that wherever you go, you have to look like Christ. That's why Romans 13, 14 says this, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not to begin to have different things and act different ways on the F train and in the sanctuary on 51st and Broadway. We're not supposed to act differently in the Lincoln Tunnel as we are as we're serving in the body of Christ. One set of clothes. There is an amazing picture that hung in an art exhibit in Lon the London Gallery some years ago. And as you looked from a distance, You'd seem to be a monk who is engaged in prayer with his hands clasped. You're going, wow, it's a holy man. And as you got closer, the artist did this remarkable thing. From a distance, it was a monk praying with his hands clasped. But as you walked closer to the picture and you saw it, it was actually a man squeezing lemons and making lemonade. Think about that. From a distance, you're going, he's praying. When you get up closer, it's lemonade. See, here's what's amazing. What do we look like up close? See, from a distance, we can look like we're praying, but who are we when we get up close? See, there are three vantage points. Jot this down. There are three, three vantage points that, that we are seeing in everybody's life or that everybody has seen for. Number one, it's the person you think you are. It's the person you think you are. Number two, it's the person others think you are. But the most important, number three, it's the person that God knows you are. That's what really matters. It's not a matter what you think or what others think. It's a matter what God thinks. As I was walking the streets on Thursday night, I was prepared and, and, and had something that God put on my... I thought that I was, I was preparing for for this Sunday. And as I was walking the streets and coming right around Columbus Circle... It's God began just to speak to me about this king from the Old Testament that really became a pretender, that literally brought Halloween to Jerusalem. And I want to share this with you on this October 31st. There was a king in the Old Testament that was a pretender. He looked like a monk in prayer when actually he was just squeezing lemons. His name is Rehoboam. He was the son of the wisest man that ever lived, but he didn't seem to get any of that wisdom from his dad. 
Because in 2 Kings chapter 14, there is an incident, Times Square Church, in Rehoboam's life that shows us not how wise he is, but how clever he is. There is a difference between being wise and being clever. See, wisdom wants what's right. Clever wants what's self-serving. Wisdom has as its goalpost and as as its goal is truth and rightness. Where clever has as its goalpost is self and ego. And Rehoboam was not wise, but he sure was clever. But here's the story before we read it. Let me just give you the the surrounding uh, parts of the story. Not long into Rehoboam's reign as king of Judah, Egypt attacks and their king, the king of Egypt, Shishak, takes away every single treasure of the house of God. And the story spotlights that I want to read to you on a set of items that was taken out where all of a sudden, as you get up close, you realize this is Halloween. These are costumes. This is hypocrisy. This is a man squeezing lemons. And the part that it highlights are Solomon's 300 gold shields. Those 300 shields, these gold shields were taken out of the, of the temple, I'm sorry, out of the palace and brought into Egypt. We'll discuss that in a second, but here's the story of cleverness and Halloween, and this is where it gets interjected. Look at this with me. 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 25. Now it happened in the fifth year of King Rehoboam that Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem. Look at this now. He took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. And then it says these words, he took everything. And then it, here it comes, the highlight. Even, because this is where the story gets interesting, even taking all the shields of gold, 300, and we'll, we'll show you why it was 300, that Solomon had made. And this next verse, verse 27, starts with a key word. And the word is so. It's a crossroads word. So what does he do? So King Rehoboam, here it comes, made shields of bronze in their place, committed them to the cares of the commanders of the guard who guarded the doorway of the king's house. Here it comes. Then it happened. Here comes Halloween. As often as the king entered the house of the Lord, the guards would carry them in, and before anybody can recognize someone squeezing lemons, they'd bring them back into the guards room so you couldn't get up close to see that these weren't real shields. Think of this for a moment. Rehoboam has a choice when it says, so King Rehoboam. He has a choice. He's at a crossroads between honesty and Halloween to come clean with the truth or pretend with brass shields. Either you become honest with why it happened or you pretend to be something that you're actually not. Here's what honesty looks like for Rehoboam. Here's what it could have looked like, church. If Rehoboam is honest, then he says really what actually happened. You know what happened, folks? Here's honesty. Second Chronicles puts it like this. When the kingdom of Rehoboam was established and strong, he and all of Israel with him forsook the law of the Lord 
It came about in King Rehoboam's fifth year because they had been unfaithful to the Lord that Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem. Did you see what it says? It says, so there, the reason why all of this happened is he forsook the law and was unfaithful to the Lord. It's literally, you ready for this? It's owning it. It's saying, I messed up. The reason why we don't have 300 gold shields, I blew it. We, were, we forsook the law and we were unfaithful to the Lord. That, that, that you come to this place and instead of thinking everybody else has messed up or Shishak is the problem, it's not an Egyptian problem. It was a Rehoboam problem. Think about this Times Square Church. Here, here, I want you to jot this down. You ready for this? When you blame others, you give up your power to grow. Or let me keep it up there. Keep that up there. Let me say it again. When you blame others, you give up your power not only to grow, but even to change. Because you don't see anybody. You don't see yourself as a problem. You see yourself as a monk praying instead of being there squeezing lemons and going, wait a second. We lost, we lost shields because we forsook the law. We were unfaithful to the Lord. It wasn't Shishak. It wasn't Egypt. It was us. Or let me say it to you like this, church. Let me, say, let me put it like this. Israel was invaded from the outside because Israel was messed up on the inside. That when you begin to see the loss of things in your life, before you blame anybody else, start with you. Start with us. Or do you play Halloween? Here's what Halloween looks like. That's honesty looks like that, but he doesn't say that. Here's what, here's what Halloween looks like in Jerusalem. Does Rehoboam pretend everything's good? And what's sad is that's what he chooses. So he commissions 300 shields to be made of cheap imitation bronze. The people knew about the 300 gold shields of Solomon, but if he gave them something shiny, he thinks, if I give them something shiny and from a distance that they can't get up close enough to see it, that's really what happens with hypocrites. Look at me, folks, because I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start going. If you're watching online, I'm going to go right into your living room right now and get in your grill. Listen to me close. Because you know what? You know, you know there's hypocrisy in pretending? You know when there's brass shields? is when people aren't honest and won't let you up close. They'll never, the, the, everything, everything is fine. How are you doing? Praise the Lord. How are things going? Hallelujah. Thank you. And we're going like, and all of a sudden, it's Christian cliches instead of honesty. Okay, let me just tell you, we just, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. And, and folks, let me just tell you something. I, I, I'm singing with the choir today, joy, 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 joy. I, I was worn out listening to you today. And I'm going to tell you, I've got joy, but we're in the middle of a battle. And so when you ask me, I got joy, but I'm fighting with joy. Because I don't have time to pretend. Here's the deal. Listen to this. We know that there are 300 shields, and we know their cost even. From 1 Kings 10, 10, 17. You ready for this? Just before the story unleashes, here's what it says. He made, Solomon made 300 shields of beaten gold using three miners of gold on each shield, and the king put them in the house. Now, here's what's crazy. Allow me just for a second to show you how crazy this is. 300 gold shields, 
three miners of gold each shield. And this is what I thought when I saw that. When I saw 300 shields shield stolen, why would the Bible give us the poundage and, and the gold and all this and us not begin just to stop and pause? So my question was this when I read this. What was the total cost of Rehoboam's Halloween project in today's dollars? What was the cost of the Halloween party that he just threw in the king's house? You ready for this? Three minas that you read there is almost four pounds. That's four pounds of gold. You ready for this? If you were to go down in one of the gold shops around here, four pounds of gold is about $86,000. Come on, I know some of you are going like, listen, I'm out of school for a long time and you're putting me back in. Okay, it get, okay here it comes. 86,000 multiplied by how many shields? Ready for this? Equals $25 million, 800,000. For a Halloween party. I want to go, are you, I would go like, you're, you can't be king. $25 million to put it over on the people. It was an expensive party to pretend to be some. Folks, can I just tell you this? It costs too much to be fake. It costs too much to be a hypocrite. It takes too much time and energy to live a life of pretend. When you don't tell and know the truth about yourself, listen, then it's Halloween every day. Stephen Charnock, the great, the great um, Puritan writer, says this. It's a sad thing to be a Christian at supper, a heathen in our shop, and a devil in our closets. Let's put on one set of clothes and be Jesus in the, at supper, Jesus at our job, and Jesus in our closet, and Jesus in our church. It takes too much to pretend. What's, it's crazy. I kept looking at this. What's the difference between brass and gold? Gold, one of the purest of all metals. Brass is an alloy. Brass is, 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 is an alloy from copper and zinc. One shines. The other is dull. One is tempered and strong, and the other is weak and cheap. And you think of that difference that goes on. And there's a lot of work that goes on to make 300 brass shields with constant polishing because you always have to polish brass. You always have to shine it up. So, so you have to always do this. because. And here, get this now, folks. Fake stuff doesn't last. Counterfeit, or, or what we say in New York, knockoffs. What's that, Pastor Tim? Okay, let me just help you. If you buy your purse from a blanket, <laughs> on Broadway, I hate to break the news to you. Here it comes. There's gonna be there's gonna be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here it comes. It's not real. <laughs> My freshman year of college down in Texas at Baylor University, it was, I was thankful to get there. Um, my parents were helping me pay through it. My parents gave me a, a challenge. They said, if you do well at school, you don't have to pay for your tuition. And my dad and my mom, I'm grateful for what they did. And they would send me every month for expenses. $64 would be put into my checking account, $64. So I had to manage that really well. 
$64. So they paid my tuition and put $64 in my account. There was something there, Baylor, because of the school that it was, there was a, an elite type of thing with some, it was kind of like the Notre Dame of maybe Protestant schools. Um, and so while we were there, all these kids, the hottest shirt to wear at that time was a Ralph Lauren polo to have a guy on a horse like everybody. And I didn't have it because all I had was $64 a month. And that shirt at Dillard's in Texas cost $32. That'd be half of my expenses to have an image in front of everybody else. And then I found a guy with a blanket on the street. And for $8, I remember the color. I remember... I, someone goes, if you go to this part of town, and it wasn't a good part of town, if you go to a, this part of town, they're selling polos for $8. I knew it. I knew they weren't real. So when I walked up and I saw those boxes on a blanket, I said, I'm in. They're going to think I got my polo shirt is what they're going to do. $8, it was purple with a green man on a horse. Here's the problem. I bought a large, in 1983, I bought my large polo shirt. The only defect was he was a little detached from the horse. <laughs> he wasn't all the way on it. But if I did this, he's on the horse. And so I would walk through. What's up? Man was on the horn. Then you get lost in worship. Choir would sing joy. You go like this. Oh, put him on a horse. Couldn't let people know. I had an image to keep up. So I bought my brass shield. But when did the brass shield get revealed? I'm going to tell you. On the cold cycle, with tide detergent... When it came out, it went from a large to a 2T. <laughs> I held up that thing, and $8 was out because I was trying to have a brash shield. You know what a brash shield is? It's an image. It's an image that's not even true. And all I thought about for Rehoboam was this. You're spending all of your energy on brass shields which makes you vulnerable to the enemy's attacks instead of going honest and going, let's work on getting one shield at a time. Because you keep yourself vulnerable at this time. Rehoboam trades gold for brass, chooses the cheap over the precious, and ends up throwing an expensive $25 million Halloween party to keep up an image. I want you to write this down because this is really key. Online, get this. Here's what's important. Four things in the Bible are called precious. There are four things in the New Testament that are called precious. Four things. And what's amazing is this word is not used of common things. And you'll see it. it, it it's, it's, it's a word precious that the New Testament uses. We use that of metal and stones. Stones of diamonds and sapphires and emeralds. We use it of, of, of even metals, of gold and platinum. 
And they're precious because they're rare. They're precious because they're pure. They're precious because they're costly and they're tough to come by. The Bible uses this word precious so sparingly and only chooses four things. And here's what blows my mind. It's only used in one book of the Bible. Only one person. I'll get to that in a second um, of why it's there. But it's only found in the epistles of Peter. Only Peter talks about what's precious. You ready for this? He talks about the precious blood. Oh, I, I'm, I was so happy we sang that song today. The blood speaks a better word. He talks about it, precious Jesus. Um, it'll use the word cornerstone, but that's Jesus. I'll explain that in a second. Precious Jesus, precious, precious cornerstone of precious Jesus. Then he talks about a precious faith. And then he talks about there the precious promises. Let me read those again. Precious blood, precious Jesus, precious faith, and precious promises. If you wrote those down, put these verses right next to each of them. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. For you know, Peter says, it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed with from the way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. Hallelujah. Then Peter goes on in the next chapter and says, for in scripture, 1 Peter 2, 6, it says, I lay in Zion, this is from Isaiah, a chosen and precious cornerstone. If you wanna know what that means, that's Ephesians 2.20. You can kinda put those together. Paul says Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone. Here's your third one, 2 Peter 1.1. To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. And then he says it one more time, 2 Peter 1.4. Through these he has given us very great and precious promises. Precious blood, precious Jesus, precious faith, precious promises. Come on, say this with me now. Say it out loud. Precious blood, precious Jesus, precious faith, and precious promises. Why is this precious? And this is my opinion now. Why is this only in Peter's epistles? Why, why is Peter the only one that deals with this word and decides to put this over these words? You know what I think? Peter's letters are written in the toughest times for the church. It was written during a great persecution of Nero against the Christians. And I think what Peter was telling us is you better have the real Jesus, you better have real promises, you better have real faith, and you better have the precious blood of Jesus because what's coming your way, your counterfeit, your fake polo, and your fake shields won't work when the enemy comes against you like a flood. You can't make it through a battle unless your shield works against the enemy's fiery darts. You need gold shields, Rehoboam, to fight. Brass shields can't take the impact. That word precious, costly, valuable, great cost, See, I believe, church, I believe those that are watching around the world that what is coming against us as a nation and as Christians, listen to me close, we can't afford to allow the house of God to begin to pollute anything that's supposed to be precious. We can't let Rehoboam preaching begin to water down the blood. We can't let Rehoboam preaching water down faith, water down the promises of God, and water down Jesus. He 
is precious Jesus, the precious word, the precious faith, and the precious promises. Let's keep the precious pure. No alloys, no mixture. And I believe these four things are precious and must stay precious. The precious blood, the precious promises, the precious Jesus, and precious faith. Let me go through those today so we unmask any costumes or anything that would try to pollute these things. No brass shields, but just nothing but purity. Let's take the first one. Jot this down with me. The number one, let's talk about the precious blood. I was reading a story about a church that almost split over the new pastor who was the pastor's son. When he, when he was voted in to take the church, he was single, but he fell in love with a young lady in the church that, that literally came from a very rough background. She got saved in that church, but her past involved drugs and alcohol and even prostitution, but the change was evident. She became a faithful volunteer, filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in water, an amazing woman of God. And as the relationship grew and the wedding plans began to unfold, the young pastor was about to become and installed as the senior pastor. And the woman eventually would become the first lady, the, the senior pastor's wife. And at that moment, the church went out of control. This Midwest church said, our church is not going to have a senior pastor's wife that has gone through this. In fact, they, the board of the church... The deacons and the elders called a church meeting, and as the people made their arguments and tensions increased, the meeting became out of hand. The young lady was there and ran out of there in tears. And it was the pastor's son, the soon-to-be pastor, stood up as his wife ran out of there, and this is what he said. My fiance's past is not what's on trial here. What you're questioning, what is on trial here, is not her past. But it's the ability of the blood of Jesus to wash away every sin. He said, and today, you didn't put her on trial. You put the blood of Jesus on trial. He says, I want to ask you a question. What can wash away my sin? What can wash away my sin? And to that, the people began to weep as they said, nothing but the blood of Jesus that's the only thing when you think about it folks that's the only thing that can wash away our sin it's the blood of Jesus that's why when Pastor Carter spoke for the installation service here and then you heard Dr. R.T. Kendall the charge was this honor the blood and honor the Holy Ghost honor the blood and honor the Holy Ghost that's what God has called us to do. That's what God has asked us to do. In fact, I was reading the story. It's from one of Billy Graham's in his biography that he began to speak of the story when a Cornell University professor who was a Christian came up to him and said, Billy, you have a gift. And in fact, he said, when he was a young Billy Graham, he said, but as a young evangelist, here's the Cornell. No offense. I know some of you may be sitting here. Just, but, but let's get this straight of what the truth is. A Cornell professor who knew his job, but kind of stepped over a line, said, Billy, if you want to be popular around the world, you have a gift. And if you want the power of persuasion, he said to Billy Graham that day, if you want a worldwide pulpit, you have to leave out Billy Graham's words, the blood stuff. 
And at that point, Billy Graham said this. He says, I was more convinced than ever that I was going to preach and pronounce that the blood of Jesus can separate and forgive and change the blood stuff. I'm telling you what can wash away my sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. The precious blood. That's what it is. Where somebody said before, listen to this. Why is the blood of Jesus precious? Eternally speaking, there are only two ways that God punishes sin. Fires of hell or the blood of Jesus. Don't miss this. Folks, there is no other way. That sin is punished either in hell or it's punished on the cross through Jesus Christ. That's why we think the blood is so precious today. Dr. R.T. Kendall said this. He said, it's not a question of whether your sin will be punished. It's a question of how our sin will be punished. See, the blood of Jesus redeems you and me. Not our hard work, not our tears, not our church attendance, not our promises. It's the blood of Jesus is what God sees over our lives. It's the blood that God sees over our life. When you're wondering if you've really been forgiven of your sin, you always have to go back to the blood. It's his blood that is enough to satisfy God the Father. When you doubt your salvation, you put the blood on trial. Father, that's why, that's why I love what, what Charles Spurgeon said, he said, morality may keep you out of jail, but it takes the blood of Jesus to keep you out of hell. That's why the blood of Jesus is precious to me today. And if you're sitting here today and you're going like, oh, is this one of those churches that preaches the blood? Let me help you. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And if this is not where you want to be, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm here to tell you, online and in this place, it's the only thing. If the Bible calls it precious, it's precious to us today. But we also believe that we serve a precious Savior, Jesus Christ. See, the danger, I think, confronting Christianity in the 21st century is this. There are people that know how to talk about their church. They know how to talk about their superstar pastor. But we don't know how to talk about precious Jesus. See, the Bible tells us, when the Bible uses the phrase, jot this down, the cornerstone... That word cornerstone is actually a word which means the first stone laid. Now, folks, stay with me on this because this is, where, this is so important because these are, these are gold shields for us in the midst of the battle. These are gold shields. See, what he was saying was if the, about the cornerstone. All the other stones are set in reference to the cornerstone. If Jesus is the cornerstone then all the other stones are in reference to it. In fact, it's, it guides the builders. It, you set the cornerstone and they build from that. Remember, we read this, Ephesians 2.20. Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone, which means Jesus has to be the center of everything that we do, folks. Okay, church can't save you. Preachers can't deliver you. Religion can't fix you. Only Jesus, precious Jesus, can do that. Now, I thought this through, and I'm just telling you, I'm, I, I believe this. You can send all the emails. You send whatever you want. Let me just say this. You can call the office. It doesn't matter to me. Listen to me now. Any church that is known for anything other than Jesus is not a church. Take, let me just keep, here I want you to do. 
Keep that on the screen for a second, the tech department. Keep it on the screen. Pull your phones out, take a picture, send it on the internet, tweet it, do whatever you want. Did Pastor Tim actually say it? Yes, I did. Any church that is known for anything other than, listen, folks, keep it up there because I'm going to say this while it's up there. If you're known for your choir, you're not a church. If you're known for your social politics, you're not a church. If you're known for politics, you're not a church. If you're known for social action, if you're known for ethnicity, if you're known for anything else, if you're known for the preacher, if you're known for the worship, if you're known for, for anything else except Jesus, I'm telling you that you have the wrong cornerstone. Jesus is the chief cornerstone that the church is built on. He's the cornerstone that the church is built on. Send whatever you want, I don't care. These things, listen to me, may be ministries, but they're not the cornerstone. They can be helping the poor, mission. That's okay, but it's not the cornerstone. You don't build from that. You build from a Jesus that we love. This is, we hold on to God's hand, God's son's unchanging hand. Augustine, the early church father, said it like this, Christ is not valued at all unless he's valued above all. That's the way it is. I love, that's why we hold on to Jesus here. I love the picture of a little girl who was hanging in a pastor's study of a little girl holding Jesus' hand, and as they were walking, clasping each other's hand, she asks him, as they're walking together, what happened to your hands? Folks, let me just say something. As we hold on to him, we're constantly reminded of those blood stains, of the, of the nail-scarred hands. We hold on to Jesus. That's what I want to do. I want us to always be asking the cross, what happened to your hands? It's because he died for us. He set us free. He is precious Jesus today. But there's also number three, the precious promises. Precious promises. I believe this, that Christians are like tea bags. You never know what kind you are until you get put in hot water. Until you're thrown into a hot situation, you're going to know if you have shields of brass or shields of gold at that time. This is where the promises of God come in. Remember, remember, a promise is only as good as the promiser. You know what I hold on to? We serve a God that cannot lie. He always tells the truth. That's why God's word is God's promises. Every time you open up this word, it's his promise to us. That's why we want you in the Bible. That's why we want you to bring your Bibles. Whether, whether you bring a physical Bible or it's on your phone, it doesn't matter. Just get the word inside of you. Because it's God making promises that he keeps. I was reading the story of a pastor that went to see a woman that was fastly approaching the end of her life. And he saw her Bible sitting on her nightstand, and the woman was still coherent, and that Bible was beat up. I heard one pastor say this. He said, if, you want, if ever you see a Bible that's beat up or, or a Bible that's falling apart, it probably belongs to someone who's not falling apart. <laughs> Keep that. Tweet that. Okay, here it is. 
So he, just, he looked at the woman. He goes, oh, so this is, this is your Bible. And he kept looking, and the oddest things started to appear on all of her margins. And it just said T and P, T and P, T and P. And he goes, why, why do you have T's and P's all over your Bible? And, and with every strength in this dying woman, she th- said this. She says, what that means is tried and proven. She says, that verse, I tried and God has proved himself. Let me tell you something. You're sitting here today. If you know Jesus, you got some T's and P's upon your life. Some verses that you held on to and that God has proven himself. Let me give you one of those T and P verses that's tried and proven. You saw it with, with, with even as Robert was doing the announcements today on our connect groups. I, 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 love, I love this verse because I believe it's tried and proven. And Paul in, his, in, in one of the most, it's probably one of the most difficult times of his life. Second Corinthians is really raw Paul. Second Corinthians is literally when Paul is probably at his lowest time. He's, he's faced with so much and, and doesn't know what to do. And, it, and, he, and really, it's real Paul. It's not pretender. It's not hypocrite. It's not brass Paul. It's gold Paul saying, this is who I am. And he talks about a time, let me read it to you. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. It says, from when we came to Macedonia, he said, we had no rest. We were harassed. He said, on, on, at every turn, conflicts on the outside. This is the apostle Paul. Fears on the inside. And then he says this, but God, who comforts the downcast. One version says, comforts the depressed. Folks, that's apostle Paul. Comforts the depressed. He said, comforted us by sending Titus. Isn't that amazing that when you think of comfort, we think of the comforter, we're thinking Holy Spirit, and God goes, listen, I'll use the Holy Spirit, and sometimes I'll let the Holy Spirit work through one of his people. Do you, do you understand how important this is? Do you understand that when we even talk about here, and, and listen, stay with me, this verse is so important. That's why I think when we talk about connect groups, don't roll your eyes, but realizing is that God, that may be Titus for some of you. That may be God sending some. One of my favorite stories that I just got this week was from 79-year-old Carol in Florida. I want to read to you Carol's story that she sent to us. Carol, if you're watching, you're my hero. 79-year-old Carol said this. She goes, Times Square Church, thank you for Connect Groups. She says, I'm 79 years old. I, and I was hesitant about leading a TSC Connect group, but I knew the Holy Ghost nudge. She said, my husband of 48 years just passed away, literally um, just almost seven years ago. But she said, but we were on a journey of nine years with Alzheimer's for him. She said, and so losing my husband and just, just, just being even away from New York City, She said, a small group, a connect group of widows connected on Thursday mornings. I'm in Florida. Some of them are here in the Northeast in the tri-state area. And on Zoom every Thursday morning, she said, all of us as widows, some new, some old, God used even the newest widow like a Titus to encourage us. She says, there were tears, there were laughters, and laughter, and over 10 weeks, Man, we connected and God used each other. This is what she said. We all came away from our connect group knowing, and this is is awesome. She goes, that joy comes in 
the, and she says not morning like A-M, M-O-U-R-N-I. There's joy even in morning. Carol, if you're watching, you're my, when I get 79, I want to be like you and lead a connect group but I'll probably die before Cindy, so she'll have to lead that group. And let me just tell you this, that's why when we say go to tsc.nyc forward slash groups, we're going, you may find Titus to encourage you even you're in a depressing moment. That God's able to do that. Let me close with this. Precious promises, precious blood, precious Jesus, and finally, precious faith. Precious faith. Can I say to everyone that's listening and watching, fake faith gets you a fake heaven. There is no heaven for fake faith. It has to be precious faith, pure. You've heard me say this before. Eternity is too long to be wrong. You gotta get this right. If there's anything you get right, if you're leaving here today, I don't care if you can predict the stock market. I don't care if you going like, man, I get it every time I do this. I don't care. Eternity is too long to be wrong. We have to get this one right because there's too much riding on precious faith. That's why when I think of what, what, what theologian Soren Kierkegaard said, he said this. He said, it's so much easier to become a Christian when you aren't one than to become one when you assume you're one. He's talking to brass people. He's talking to pretenders. This is the hard part now. I've got I've to go after brass people. I've got to go after the pretend, the Halloween people. What's amazing about this day that we celebrate as Halloween, October 31st, is even before that took place, we as a church celebrate on October 31st, or remember, is this was the day that the Reformation began that Martin Luther on October 31st, over 500 years ago, in 1517, hammered the 95 Thesis on a church door. What he was saying was, no more brass shields. No more brass shields. He was saying, you're telling us that we get to heaven by indulgences, by paying our way, by giving this and doing this? That, that's brass shields. That's pretending. That's fake, that's fake heaven. It's not precious faith. That while the church in, in Germany was patting their pockets going like, that'll get you to heaven, nothing. It took, it took a reformer like Martin Luther, banged those 95 theses up there and said, the just shall live by faith. You know what he was saying? Think about this, on Halloween, you know what he was saying? He was saying, Put away your costumes. There's only one costume you need. You need to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. He says that's what you need to be clothed in. Not in a religious name. Clothed in a, the righteousness of Christ. Craziest story I've heard in a long time was this. There was a man on death row. True story. Became a human interest story. That was being was getting ready to die by lethal injection some years ago. I forgot what state it was in, but he donated his corneas for a cornea transplant to a man. He said, I, I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm dying by lethal injection, but I'm going to donate my corneas so you could see again. The two met. The man, because it was in a state of capital punishment, perished. 
And they took those corneas and they put them, think about this, they took the corneas of a convicted murderer and put them in an innocent man. Stay with me now. This is good. They took the convicted murderer's eyes and put them in an innocent man. So here's my question. If the police came and knocked on the door and said, you gotta go to jail, we have to arrest you because you have the corneas of a murderer, the judge, I, we all know, it would be ridiculous. A judge would say that the corneas of the murderer are now in the body of a righteous man. Therefore, those corneas are no longer guilty because they belong to someone who's righteous. The moment you become born again, you are in Christ. And your messed up self, which everyone's saying, you did this, you did this, you did this, but I'm in Christ. And because there's a precious blood, and because there are precious promises, and because there's a precious Jesus, I'm telling you, hallelujah, I have a precious faith today, is what I have. And that's why right now, listen to me, folks, today, as one man said, a Christian is a result of an operation of God. Nothing less, nothing else. No man can make himself a Christian. God makes Christians. And today, that can happen to you. Literally, how do I get put in Christ? How do I, how do I, how do I do that, Pastor Tim? Eternity is too long to be wrong. So listen, let's put down our brass shield. Let's put down the pretending. Let's put down, if you're watching online, if someone sent you this, let's put aside all of our religious talk. We're dealing with precious. No alloys, no mixture. Let's talk about the pure. Here's the purity of it. Jesus said, no man can see the kingdom of God unless, here it comes, they are born again. No man, John 3, 3, no man can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. That's Jesus' word. Jesus who cannot lie. Precious Jesus said this. Precious Jesus. So if I was to ask you today, how do you get to heaven? Well, I'm a good person. That's good, but that's not the directions. Let me just ask this quick question. How many here have ever lied? Would you raise your hand? Okay, look around you, keep your hands up. Because if the hands are not up, they're lying. Okay, so let's just let's, 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 let's I got both hands up on this one. So why would we believe your directions to heaven if you've never been there? If you, if you before, this is Jesus who always tells the truth. I don't know if you're telling the truth on this. Jesus, who's been to heaven, came to earth, and went back to heaven, can I just tell you, he knows how to get there. He knows how to get there. So you may be sitting here, and you may say, I'm a Muslim. You may be sitting here and say, I'm a Jew. I'm Catholic. I'm a Baptist. Okay, listen to me. It doesn't matter. None of those labels exist. Jesus said, you must be born again. That's Jesus. Who doesn't lie? So if you want to know the directions to heaven, there it is. Born again. Well, Pastor Tim, what does that mean? It's a, it's a picture where Jesus says, just as you had a first birth, you need a second birth. The first one was physical, the, same, the second one was spiritual. Where does that come from, Pastor Tim? Or how does that happen? Here's the surgery. Here's the operation. Here's where God does it. 
listed balcony, listed main floor. You see what happens? It's as simple as A, B, C. A, it's admitting that I'm a sinner. It's admitting that all of us are broken on the inside. We were born that way. We're born with a condition, starting with me, a condition called sin that I can't fix with a promise, a priest, a pastor, a program. I need help to fix this. I need, I'm broken on the inside and it's admitting that I'm a sinner. As one, one pastor said, he said, we're not mistakers in need of correction. We're sinners in need of a savior. I don't need a second chance, I need a second birth. What's the second birth? That's the B word, believing that God sent his son to die in my place. Precious blood, precious Jesus, the precious promises. Promises us this, that he decided that I would come down in their place I would die the death they were supposed to die, live a life they couldn't live, and give them a reward they didn't even deserve called forgiveness in heaven and can give it to you right now like that. The operation can happen right now. Second birth can happen right now. Wherever you're at, he takes the corneas of the murderer and puts it right into the righteous man. He takes our, our sinful lives and puts them in the most righteous man that has ever lived, Jesus himself. That's the B word. It's believing God did that for me. That God came and died for me and did all this in my place. Well, how does that happen, Pastor Tim? It's a, admitting I'm a sinner. B, believing that God sent his son to die for me. And C, confessing him as Lord. Romans 10, 9, and 10. That means you're the boss now. Not the boss on Sundays for 90 minutes. You're the boss every day. Jesus did not die on that cross to get you to sit in church. Jesus died on that cross, not, not simply to get you here on Sunday. Jesus died on that cross to get you to heaven forever. That's why he died on the cross for you. So if you're sitting here today, put down your brass shield. I, I, I'm a good person. I, I, I work a good job. I pay that. I haven't hurt anybody. Put the brass shield down. It doesn't work here. It doesn't work. The brass shield doesn't work. You put down that brass shield and go, then what do I need to do, Pastor Tim? I want to pray a born-again prayer with you right now. I want everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. If you're watching at home, I want you to do the same thing. Listen, just bow your head for a moment. If you're sitting in this place, balcony, main floor, watching online, and you could be watching on Tuesday, Wednesday, you may be watching Monday morning, driving to the airport, it doesn't matter. But if you're here today and listening today, or listening any day, and you'd say, Pastor Tim, I've held up my brass shields. I've tried to do it my way, but I've realized today it's brass. I want the precious promise of being born again. I want the precious Savior. I want to be cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus, and I want precious faith. Today that can happen wherever you're at, balcony, main floor, watching online. And what do I need to do, Pastor Tim? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today, I'm going to pray a prayer, not a magic prayer. It's not a special prayer. It's just a prayer that incorporates these ABCs and says, God, I want to start a journey with you. You don't have to be perfect. Perfect people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And today, you can be forgiven. Today, today, we put down our shields and say, God, come into my life. I don't care if you're a husband. I don't care if you're a college professor. I don't care if you work on Wall Street. I don't care if you're homeless. Today is the day to say, God, come into my life. I'm going to ask you, because of protocols, we're not going to make you stand. We're not going to make you come forward. But with every head bowed, if you're here in this place today and you go, when you pray that prayer, Pastor Tim, 
I want to be part of that. Would you include me in that prayer? With every head bowed, I'll be the only one looking. I am going to ask you to do this. In just about five seconds, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you just say, Pastor Tim, I want to be included in that prayer. So when you pray that born-again prayer, put me in that. I want to start a brand new journey with God today with precious faith. If that's you, wherever you're at in this place, no hesitation, say, put me in that prayer. Hold it up as high as you can. I want to make sure I see it. Keep them up high because I want to make sure I see it. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two, thirty-three. Looks like a whole family back there. Thirty-four, thirty-five, thirty-six, thirty-seven, thirty-eight, thirty-nine, forty, forty-one. Balcony, let me see you. Forty-two, keep them up, balcony. Forty-three, forty-four, forty-five, forty-six, forty-seven, forty-eight, forty-nine, fifty, fifty-one. 52. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hey, with these 52 people, come on, let's pray this together. Everybody out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Let's all stand together. Come on. Can we thank God one more time? Put your hands together and let's thank God for what he's done. Listen, I want to say this. If you're watching online and you pray that prayer, if you're in the sanctuary, I want you to do me one favor. Text the word connect to 51,000. Why, Pastor Tim? This is, the, this is the new world we're in. It helps us to get you started on your next step. It's just another step to say we want you to grow. We want you to be what God has called you to be. We're going to close right now with a song with Freddie and the team and the choir. Let me just say this. When we close, Freddie will dismiss you. Our prayer teams will be up here. We'll use protocol. They'll have masks. We'll space you out. If you need personal prayer, our teams are here. If you're watching online, good news for you. We'll pray for you right online. All you have to do is type in, hey, would you pray for me? Our online hosts that are, that are serving around the world will begin to pray for you. And here's what's great. Whether you say it with your mouth or type it with your fingers, it still counts. And so we want to pray for you. Come on, let's worship one more time before we close. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can